0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 369 for the seconds of Kiss Love in Alibir. Today's episode has been generously sponsored by my good friend and learning partner, in Florida. Dorothy, we really need to get back to our learning one of these days <laughs> if you're listening to this. Uh, and so, Dorothy generously sponsored this episode in honor of the Rafah of Shmuel Heschel Ben Devorah. So, he should have a speedy Rafah right away. So, today we are going to be tackling a huge question What does God want? If you've been following along the pod- podcast for a little while, then you probably know the answer to this question, actually. Uh, it's not that complicated um, on a simple level. What God wants is our mitzvahs. God desires that we fulfill his commandments. But why is this? What's this all about? So in today's episode, we're going to get in, into the nitty gritty of this just a little bit, like the inner workings behind this desire, behind this flow that happens, the the pathway between God's wish and our actual fulfillments of the commandments and how they connect in that way. So it's sort of like a way to think about it is like if you have you like think about like a business, you know, and you think about like let's say let's take big in the news these days is Elon Musk and Twitter. So Elon Musk recently bought Twitter and he obviously has like a a vision for Twitter. He loves Twitter so much <laughs> and his ultimate goal with Twitter. I mean, I don't know what it is, but he has certain visions that he has in mind with with Twitter. And his goal could be multifaceted. Like maybe one aspect of his goal is that he wants user engagement to be really, really high. Uh, Maybe he wants to um, generate income, maximum income, maximum stock uh, value. How's all this going to happen? So, the how does all this happen? How does the fulfillment come about? This, the wish fulfillment, come about. This is going to be the subject of today's uh, episode. And for context, we're still in the middle of uh, Kunturs Ahran, the the fourth essay of Kunturs Ahran. And as I've already mentioned several times, this is really the most complex Kabbalistic portion of the Tanya where it really gets extremely technical so I am I try as best as possible to bring these ideas down and I really also uh, hope that you guys don't get too caught in the weeds with it so I try to even though I, I don't want to shy away from the text and I want to get into the actual you know text of the Alter Rebbe at the same time I think it's useful to kind of keep the main point in mind or the main points in mind of what we're learning. And so to give this a little bit of context, yesterday we started this essay, and in beginning this essay, the discussion kind of led into uh, like the conclusion from it all, and we're going to be continuing with this in, in this essay. There's a few days le- left of this essay, actually, it's quite long, um, is just about the incredible power of prayer and why prayer is the main um, the main thing of our generation. Why prayer is the, the main thing we should be focusing on, we're, we should really that which we should be focusing on the most in our day and age. And this is, you know, not to detract from Torah and mitzvahs because Torah and mitzvahs are also very important. And that's kind of like a three-pronged um approach to Judaism, you can say you can think of like learning Torah, doing mitzvahs and praying. Uh, but yet we learned from those three things there's something unique about prayer, because of those three things, prayer is the only one that has the power to change reality, so to speak. So Whereas when it comes to Torah and when it comes to mitzvahs, there's certain energy flow that we're we're instigating, that we're activating when we involve ourselves in Torah and, and doing mitzvahs. However, only with prayer can we actually change the process of what's going on. So with that being said, I'm actually going to start off at the end of today's portion to give this fuller context because I think that that actually can help keep us clear-headed about what we're going to learn today. And so in, in learning today's and preparing for today's episode, I actually was kind of feeling a little bit confused, aside from the technical nature of the episode and just it being very heavy Kabbalistically and all that. But uh, in terms of subject matter, the vast majority of today's episode focuses on the power of mitzvahs and what mitzvahs are all about and what they accomplish and how mitzvahs specifically are God's will. And then at the very, very end, there's this s- couple of lines that talk about Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu praying to enter into the land of Israel. And the broader like theme of this whole essay, from my understanding, is about the pr- power of prayer. So I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, if, if the whole point is all about prayer and, pr- and telling us why prayer is so important— Why is it that so much of today's episode actually is focusing on the mitzvahs and making it sound as if the mitzvahs are the primary focus? And then only at the end, kind of like throwing it in there, this idea of Moshe praying to be in the land of Israel. So what's this all about? So uh, so here's my understanding of it. And here's my breakdown of the situation of what's happening is that, yes, mitzvahs are the whole point, as we'll see the whole way, the point of the mitzvahs, and why why are mitzvahs so essential? Because as we've learned, there was this whole process of what's known as shveras hakilim, the shattering of the vessels. So God had this initial, you know, in manifesting himself, his whole point in creating the world was to manifest himself to other is a way to kind of think about it, which is kind of a paradox because there is really ultimately nothing but God. Um, but, Yet God's ultimate vision was to reveal himself, not to just be introverted in his own, you know, space, so to speak, but to, for there to be some kind of relationship to something other than him, which is a very tricky thing to do if you're the only thing that exists, right? So there's lots of chaseris that talks about this and, and, uh, and getting into this whole idea. There's the symptom and all of that stuff. But on a basic level, uh, the first level, the first, um, level of revelation happens in the world of tohu which the world of tohu is the world of chaos where all of god's attributes every single one of them manifested him but in a complete and pure way and Thus, they could not coexist because each part of God, like God has as simple as God is, God is one and unified. God is also very complex. God is multifaceted. There's the aspect of God that is giving. There's the aspect of God that's restraining and stuff like that. And each one of those manifests God in a total and pure way because everything about god is perfect and whole but so when you had all of these attributes together manifesting god in a perfected way they couldn't coexist because there was they are by nature contradictory so there was an explosion that happened that was what led to the shattering of the vessels the shriosek because the light could not be contained within the vessels it was too much for the vessels to handle because like i said Vessels are all about containment, and uh, and these lights just could not be contained. They were too all over the place, too perfect, too great. It's just like I always give the analogy, if you have too many CEOs running a company, it's, you have no company, right? So in this case, their egos got shattered. These CEOs' egos got shattered, meaning there was the shverose kelim, and all of the, uh, the vessels shattered around. And so, okay, that's one step. And now what our purposes in this world is to rectify these um, these vessels because ultimately God does want, he doesn't want a world of shattered vessels. He doesn't want a world of shattered CEOs, you know, uh, that also is not good for a company. But yet there has to be a way for everybody to come together for all of it to be rectified. And that's our purpose here in the world. And the way that we do this is through the performance of the mitzvahs, as we'll see in more detail today. So then this brings us to Moshe Rabbeinu. Why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed so fervently to get into the land of Israel. It wasn't just because oh he wanted to see the sights and the climate was really good and all of that, but it was because he realized that there were certain mitzvahs that you can only do in the land of Israel. And so like in the in the scope of the 613 mitzvahs, a lot of the mitzvahs are relevant for outside the land of Israel, but there's a good portion of them that are only relevant and and can only be done within the land of Israel. So because Moshe Rabbeinu was on such a level that he really was able to Acknowledge this higher uh, purpose of reality that the whole purpose of reality was this rectification of the vessel He was extremely devastated when his punishment came to him and he was de- it was decreed that he should not enter into the land of Israel So this is where prayer comes in because prayer which is that unique thing thing that is unlike Torah and mitzvah's that can't change reality, prayer actually could change reality. And Moshe knew this. And so this is why when he prayed to God, it wasn't it it wasn't selfish, so to speak. Like it wasn't just like for a selfish prayer it was because he wanted to fulfill all the mitzvahs he wanted to fulfill all the mitzvahs even those within the land of Israel and even though there was this this decree upon him that said no you cannot enter into the land of Israel uh, he wanted he knew that the power of prayer could change that and in fact it could have changed it, and in fact, he prayed so fervently that he prayed 515 times. Like he was so so uh, persistent in his prayer that God actually had to command him to stop praying because God knew that if he continued to pray to pray in this way, then God would have to listen to him, and reality would have would change and would be shifted. So it was, you know, that's how powerful prayer is. That God literally had to put like a stopper on Moshe because his prayer was so powerful that it could have changed a reality that for whatever reason God didn't want. God wanted there to be this block, you know, this exile and promotion not to enter into the land of Israel. Why that is, is in this discussion for another time. But that's basically what happened. So that's why, uh, that's how we can understand all of this, is that um, is that on the one hand, and, and the context of what we're going to be learning about today, we're going to be learning about the incredible value of mitzvahs on the one hand, and then we're going to end and conclude with Moshe Rabbeinu praying, because they're really super connected. Because yes, prayer is so powerful because it's all about changing reality, and it's the only thing that can change reality. But what... Reality, do you want to change? What's the point of reality? What is our purpose with reality? The ultimate purpose of everything is the mitzvahs. So that is how our prayers should be uh, directed towards. And as we'll see today, that's why it's so crucial that in this flow of of uh, mitzvah fulfillment there's actually a step in there that involves our intention. That's where the intention comes in. Our love and fear of God gets manifest, and we should try to manifest that as much as possible in order to um, to bring down the ultimate flow of energy from above so with that being said let's see how the altar of explains all of this and and I, once again this section uh, like many other sections uh, in the in the kudras involves uh, the, the kind of um, structure for it is is the ultra by comparing two different places in kabbalah that seem to contradict one another and then he brings a resolution for them so in this case what are the two sections that seem to contradict each other is uh, we have on the one hand the etchayim which was written by the Arizal and then on the other hand we have the Zohar and which is written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and we see that each one of them talks about the source of the mitzvahs where these mitzvahs come from where they originate and they both have different answers and these answers seem to contradict one another and the altar is going to resolve them so what's the difference so in, uh, in the Eitz Chaim then it's written where are the mitzvahs from so we know that there's the mitzvahs have two main categories right there's the positive commandments and then there's the transgressions the 248 positive commandments the 365 negative commandments or prohibitions and the uh and the time says that the the uh positive commandments they come from a place which is known as the hey the five attributes of kindness the five kindnesses uh and the the 365 negative commandments the tr- the prohibitions come from the five gvros the hagvros the five attributes of severity okay so what this means exactly is a whole topic into itself but suffice it to say what the, what this means basically is if you've been you know following along hopefully you have a little bit of a sense of like what each of the attributes mean really and so within the world of atziluth which is the origin of all the worlds then we have all of the attributes right and so within the world of atillist we have the za of atillist the zerunpin of atillist that's the the six attributes and um and the six attributes are kind of like that's like the the functional aspect of attilas that's like just like a a person's emotive attributes or their that's their like functions that's like how how they operate in the world you know it's it's what makes a person a person is their their attributes what's your personality type what's your emotions you know that kind of thing the mind is something else the mind is sort of like maybe the inner motivations and you know stuff like that but but the um and the cognitive functions but the emotional functions is really what makes a person a person so so too for God the uh, their uh, his his xeran pain of that's sort of like his his uh functions. That's sort of like his, the way that we relate to him. And within those, the zer anpin, so we know that what are the first two of the the emotional attributes? We have hasad and we have gura. We have a, a kindness and severity or restraint or giving and restraint. And each one of those is further subdivided into five. So I know it gets very, very technical here, but suffice it to say, you know, there are levels within each one of the attributes. So there are five attributes of chasad and five attributes of gura they actually are um paralleled in the human by the five fingers on the right hand and the five fingers on the left hand so it's like when you take when you give with your right hand you're giving with all five fingers and when you take with your left hand or hold back with your left hand you're holding back with all five fingers of the left hand and so okay so getting back into our text (laughs) getting away from that tangent there so basically so going so the According to the a time, the source of the mitzvahs comes from these the the Hei chasadim and the Hei Gevorahs, the five chasadim and the f- five Gevorahs within the world of Itzelos, okay? All right. But now we see that in the Zohar, it says something very different. It says that what are the, that where do the 613 mitzvahs come from? They are. All come from one path from one place what is this one place that they come from they come from what's known as the Lavnunit the Lavnunit means like whiteness which is a reference to Keter Uh, why is it a reference to Keter because it's a reference to the white on top of the head so it's like you know if you think about your own your skull you know your head the crown of your head you have your hair and in between your hair in between the roots of the hair there's white on the hair because the white is considered capitalistic I mean the hair is considered cabalistically to be like a flow of energy so it's a certain type of contraction that's necessary in order for this flow to happen and so that which does not flow which is kind of like beyond flow so that it's it, it did not get contracted yet is manifest in the whiteness of the skull which is the keter which is the will so it's above intellect its will so again so now to just reiterate that the, the um, the question here: the 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 seeming contradiction. The time says that the mitzvahs come from th- these two sources within Atzilus: the Hey Chasadim and the Hey verus But according to the Zohar, the mitzvahs actually come from one place. They all come from one place, and that's the Lavanunit. So, what's the deal? Do they come from the Lavanunit, or do they come from the Hey Chasadim and the Hey verus It seems to contradict each other. So, the of is going to explain all of this. So. He says the way to understand this seeming contradiction and to resolve the seeming contradiction is to first of all understand the purpose of the mitzvahs what are the why do we keep mitzvahs what's the point of them all the reason why we keep mitzvahs is in order to rectify the 248 organs of the zer anpin by drawing the light of the insuf into the mochin, which are made up of the hei and the hei Okay, so that's, that's a lot. So let's just try to break that down a little bit. So um, the purpose of the mitzvahs, why do we do the mitzvahs, is in order to rectify the 248 organs of God, right? Because we have 248 positive commandments, and they parallel the 248 organs. And uh, those 248 organs are manifest within the zero pain within its syllabus because then again that's that's where um that's that's where like everything that we relate to god that's that's where it's kind of found that's like what we can think of as like the functions of god is within the zero the functional aspects of god okay so how do these 248 uh Organs of God get manner, get rectified. This happens by way of the the influence, the flow of the infinite light of the Ein in the Mochin. What is the Mochin? The Mochin means uh, intellect, and the intellect is made up of He Chassadim and Hay So this this might get a little confusing, but uh, I'll try to explain this. So we just the Hay Chasadim and the Hay They seem not to be intellectual. They seem to be emotive right but for the sake of our discussion and this is where we really see again how relative so many terms are in kabbalah and in because it depends how you're looking at it um in a certain sense we can understand these hey and hey as being mochin as being the intellect and okay and what is the source of the mochin the source of the mochin is the love is the keter so basically that's in simple terms what the ultra is describing basically is that when we say on the one hand that um the, according to the Itzchayim, the mitzvahs come from the Heichasadim and the Heigvoros, but according to the Zohar, they come from the Nunit. The ultra is saying it's not a contradiction because what are the Heichasadim and the Heigvoros? These are the Mochin. These are the. This is the mind of God, and um, the source of this mind is in the Nunit. So the Nunit, the Keter, is just like it's the Zohar is basically just like tapping into one step before, one step above that, and. What is this Lev Nunit and how is it connected to the Metzvahs is because the Lev Nunit is the Keter. The Keter, again, if you've been following in the podcast, Keter is Oneg and chafetz. Oneg is pleasure and desire. So this is the supernal pleasure and desire that God has to draw down his light down here into the 248 organs of the Zerampin down here below. So meaning to say that the the, the origin of God's will for these for this rectification to happen of the 248 organs that it comes about through the mitzvahs the origin of that is in the levnit in the keter and this hamshacha, this drawing down like this this flow of energy that comes from the levnit into the mochin as uh manifest through the Heikh chasadu and gets subdivided into the 613 specific flows uh, very individual flows, each one according to the particular mitzvah that it is. So, for example, so so there are six hundred flows, just like in the in the Zohar, it said that the source of all the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs comes from the le- lev le- So it does. It's it, they all come from the lev So it goes from the lev into the mochin, and then from the mochin down below, and the mochin is divided into the heikh Hasadim and the heigvoras, and we see this that. There are different kinds of mitzvahs. Some mitzvahs are more chesed oriented. Like let's say giving, being kind to people, uh, giving tzedakah, all that stuff. That is, um, that, that is all from the side of chasid. So that's from the side of the hei Chasadim versus uh, on the side of gvurah. There are certain mitzvahs that involve gvurah there are certain mitzvahs that involve rachamim there's all kinds of different mitzvahs that we have and each one is subdivided into those ways so we see that yes it's coming from the loving needs but then the way that it flows downward is through these different pathways uh, which could be kind of like collectively referred to as the heikh and the heikh viras. and Another way to understand this uh, and to think about this is that the actual fulfillment of the mitzvahs, like when we when we actually do the, the mitzvahs, then what we're doing is we're drawing down the divine light into the external vessels of whatever attribute the mitzvah is, is has to do with. So for example, if we do a kindness to somebody, then we're drawing down light into the external vessel of the chasid of Zer Anpin okay uh or if we're doing some kind of mitzvah that that has to do with the then we're drawing down light into the external vessel of gavurah etc but the way that this light draws gets uh drawn down the way that the light how does it become drawn down into these external vessels it has to go through the internal vessels first what are the internal vessels the internal vessels are these intellects the mohin um the and, and what does this mean the mochin, the 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 uh, the the more internal aspects of these things this has to do with the love and fear of god so and as we've learned before there's intellectually generated love and fear of god which is considered to be on a higher level and then there's the more innate love and fear of god and the way that these are referred to in kabbalah is mochin de katnus and mochin de gadlos so mochin de katnus is like small intellect and that is uh that's the innate Love of god and the mochin de godless the higher type of mochin is a more superior is a is the intellectually generated love and fear of god so basically just so i know it's a lot but basically the main idea uh is that is that the way that what the ultimate purpose that God wants is for His uh two hundred and forty-eight organs to be rectified. How does this happen? Through our performance of our of the mitzvahs. But when we perform these mitzvahs, then the motivation for performing the mitzvahs is coming from our love and fear of God. So this love and fear of God could be either intellectually based or it could be innate. But whatever it is, that's what's motivating us to perform these mitzvahs down here. And why is it that the love and fear of God is what motivates us? Because we ultimately recognize either intellectually so, or innately so that this is God's ultimate will, God's ultimate desire. This is his keter. This is his desire. This is his will. His innermost will is for us to do these mitzvahs, uh, which will rectify his organs. You know, it's like, it's like lahavdiel. Let's say if you, if you have a per, uh, someone you love, who's in pain, you want to take away that pain. And anytime God, uh, so to speak his organs are not rectified there's a certain type of pain that's what exile is and so us doing these mitzvahs is a way to alleviate god's pain to relieve him from the pain and we do this uh through all the different mitzvahs that we do and this is why there are so many different categories of mitzvahs some that involve more giving some that r- involve more restraints like a, like might be something like that you know and so this is how we can resolve this con seeming contradiction between the time and the zohar because where the time says that the mitzvahs come from the heikh and the heikh vuras, they do because that's how they flow downwards that's that's the flow from them but they do ultimately like the zohar said come from the love needs because that is the origin of all of it is from God's will. So then, so finally here, now we've reached the conclusion of the section where, um, the ultra brings in Moshe Rabbeinu and he says from all of this, now that we understand the deep, meaning behind the mitzvahs and why the mitzvahs uh why it is that god really wants us to do these mitzvahs now we can really understand why it was that Moshe or benu pleaded so fervently in order to enter into the land of israel uh because he realized that, that these mitzvahs that are per, that all of the mitzvahs including those performed in the land of israel this is the ultimate purpose of all of, of everything of the entire his it's known as in hebrew the entire downflowing of everything is all for us to do these mitzvahs in order to to draw down divine light, uh, and she rectify the kalim of Zer Anpin, of in in the, specifically in the lower worlds of Bria Yitira, and Anesia, which is you know lower than Attilus, uh, within. Which in which are found the two hundred the two hundred and eighty eight fallen sparks, right? So because the sparks fell into the lower world realms outside of Atzilus into the worlds of Breya Itzira and Asiya, so that's where the sparks are, and that's where the rectification has to happen through our practical performance of the mitzvahs and specifically keeping Torah and mitzvahs practical mitzvahs in the in the the worlds of briah specifically in the worlds of briah Itzira and Asiya specifically, which is why Moshe prayed so fervently for God to let him into the land of Israel, because he realized the value of the mitzvah so much, and because he understood the power of prayer. So that's it for today. Uh, I hope that was somewhat comprehensible to you guys. I know this stuff is really, really deep. This section of Tanya, again, is just very complex. This whole part that we're going to be learning is like, I think it's considered to be the hardest part of Tanya. So if you're staying with me, then uh, good for you and i'm learning this together with you as i've mentioned these a lot of these ideas even though i've learned tanya before you know every year i learn the tanya and review it and everything it's every time i still need to really rock my brain to get the stuff even somewhat um, comprehensible on any level so thank you for uh for co- being with me on this journey and we will continue with this tomorrow and i will speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarid Switzer.